Welcome to Campfire Football. I'm Sebastian North. This is episode 42, a packed episode 42. I'm going to try and not make this too long. This is the knee-jerk reaction episode. This is the kind of topic that gets me all fired up all the time anyways. I don't really like when people have dramatic, illogical reactions to nothing events um, and not be measured and not think things through and take their time and be patient. Something we see all the time in football, of course, but everywhere else. A small example of something that's going on in my life here in Colorado. It's been really, really nice the last week. We've had some gorgeous, gorgeous days, 65 degree Fahrenheit, multiple days in a row. Feels like spring is here, right? But the way it works here is the weather goes up and down like crazy in March and April. And so we're about to get one to two feet of snow this weekend here in Denver. Though everyone knows that snow is welcomed here and that we enjoy it and like it and it's part of what we, you know, makes Colorado, Colorado, people are losing their minds over 15 to 20 inches of snow. I mean, there's people sending out emails, you know, you get emails from, from my club, you know, people saying, stay really safe, you know, you know, do everything you can to avoid the roads and like, What? Don't leave your house is some of the things that people have been, that's been said on the news. Um, Look around, by the way, if you look around this area, everyone's got a vehicle that can handle it. That's the first thing. And the second thing is, this is what we're used to. This is what we like. So why would you go and tell people, terrible, scary, we're going to get inundated by snow and no one's going to be able to go anywhere. In 2003, we had six feet come down on us over the course of three days. That was snowpocalypse. This is not going to be anything of the sort. And it's just an example of how, even though everyone knows that it's not that big of a deal, everyone has to talk about it and gin up this dramatic thing for, I'm not really sure what reason. And I just see it, we see it in all kinds of things. So basically now, let's relate it to the football that we saw this week. Man City against Southampton, right? Okay, first of all, before we get into the match, in the lead-up to the game, there was an interesting situation in the press conference, the pre-match press conference that Pep Guardiola did, with, honestly, just a horridly lazy question brought forth from basically not really taking the time to think of how can I ask something quality to this coach that's not just going to sound like, I lazily paid attention to stuff that's been going on and just want to, I don't even know. Just listen to this. You're right. So Southampton can be uh, very uh, impressive. They've shown that they can compete against the best, but they've also shown on occasions that they can concede lots of goals, a couple of nines. Uh, Is that something that you will bear in mind in this game? No, 18. We'll score 18. 18-0 we're going to score. This will be the result. What a question. Uh, listen, score 9 when they play 80, 8 minutes, uh, 10 against 11. So, do, do you think this is a joke? Uh, this game is uh, going to score 9 goals uh, tomorrow or 18 goals? Come on, be serious. So, we're going to try to win the game. It will be incredible success for us. Win the game, that's all. It's not logical. It's ridiculous. It's a stupid question. And we all know that like this arbitrary maths thing doesn't really work in football. You can't just say, well, you won 3 nothing against them and they won 2 nothing against this. So it doesn't work that way. We all know this, right? Yet the way, com- the way questions are being asked 
of these managers sometimes and the narratives that are being put forward. I mean, just on form alone, people are so convinced they know what the result of a match will be. They know how the turnout is going to be. And and as and no discussion. No, no, no. Man City are, are going to absolutely maul Southampton today. There's no chance. Southampton, look at their run. There's no way. Well, the reality is this game could have gone a little differently than it did. Okay, maybe not entirely. I think the result would have happened anyway. I don't think Man, Man City were in the kind of form to drop any of the points. To um, to drop any of the points, Riyad Mahrez was absolutely spectacular. Basically, had a hat trick of all exceptional goals. Two of them he actually did put in the net. One hit the post, and Gundawan tucked away the rebound. But every single one was wizardry from Riyad Mahrez. So. Uh, he had to be man of the match. Kevin De Bruyne back and killing it. His first goal, you know, he, ta- he smashes home a rebound, but the team move that led up to the goal, spectacular. His final one, another excellent team goal, but the filthy little nutmeg at the top of the box and to just get through and then slot it home. They were really, really good. Man City were really good, but there was one moment early in the game when Phil Foden gets clearly fouled, very, very obvious, right? He keeps on his feet. He keeps going. Essentially, you think advantage is being played. But then when the when the play ends, they don't give a penalty. And so you're like, what? what is going on? This is such a clear, obvious foul, clear and obvious mistake. Why is this not being called? Here's what Pep had to say about that. Phil Foden just said to us, he, he was pretty sure it was a penalty, but he always tries to stay on his feet. What did you make of the incident? I don't understand why Fulham disallowed the goal against Tottenham. I don't understand the hands from Arsenal against Burley. And another example is the penalty today. Like we won, it's incredible, happy and, uh, you know, and everything. John cannot see it, but the VAR is there. Don't whistle the penalties, incredible. You know that uh, for a long time, and maybe in four or five years, never complain about the referees and the action. But this action is really incredible. Incredible. Are you just bemused quite regularly as to what decisions are? And you're not the only manager saying this. The VR exists for the referees, don't see the action, can make a mistake. That's why you review. But if it's a review, don't whistle the penalty, this action. Uh, so I don't understand. So look, the reaction to VAR that I've been hearing is ridiculous. So many people are like, see, get rid of it, bin it. They don't even use it. They don't even know what to do with it. This was a clear example of why you want VAR. The problem is it needs to be used by the right people. The reactions people have been having is that the technology you know, needs, needs to just be binned because we're not doing it right, that the referees... Uh, and and the communication that we, we need to hear what they're saying. There's all kinds of things people are saying. The reality is maybe we just need slightly better referees. Now, I'm not saying shit can the guys who are in now and replace them with someone else because I don't know if you're going to get any better. However, this is a situation that I think in time, if we're all just patient and don't just say, let's get rid of VAR or it doesn't mean anything, it doesn't make sense, it's not even being used. Think about it. In time different people are going to be using this system and they're going to be better at it than the current referees. The current referees rewind your brain five years ago. All these guys were refing in the Premier League back then before VAR was ever an issue. 
So now that it's here, those same referees who were have had to undergo a training have had to basically figure it out and learn how to do it. Once we get five, six, seven, ten years into this, there's going to be a lot of people who are much, much, much better, right? Maybe people who are good referees but have also worked as you know directors of production in a TV studio. So they're very good at checking to different camera angles, looking at different things, and being very efficient, right? Little things like that may come in time. I think some young, good referees that grasp the technology really well are not overwhelmed by what they have to look for. I just think in time it's going to get better. So everybody, chill out. This game was magnificent for the goals. And the Phil Foden incident ended up being a bigger piece of the talking points at the end. I just don't really, I just don't think it makes sense. Like, come on, give Riyadh some love. Woo, guy went nuts. All right, let's move on to the next bit. Champions League games. Start with Liverpool against Leipzig. And um, I'd like to say that I called this one. Uh, in this early section so far, I went two for four. So uh, I'll let you know which what the other ones are. But Liverpool-Leipzig, it was a pretty entertaining game. Back and forth, plenty of chances, hitting the bar. The reality is that I, I, even though Leipzig looked like they could score and put Liverpool under pressure, Liverpool never really looked like they were actually going to be beaten by two goals. Like if the goals started to come and it could turn into a goal fest, you felt like it would be more like a 5-4 Liverpool or like a 4-3 Leipzig, but... You just didn't really get the feeling Liverpool were going to be beaten by two. Just the pattern of the game was way too open. And so you got to give credit to Liverpool for that. Also, Fabinho in the middle of the park was terrific. So here's the knee-jerk reaction everyone had. Why has he not been there this whole entire time? We all know that the injuries are a part of it. But people like to say, well, you've got Kabak, you've got Davies. Why has Fabinho been back there? You've got Reese Williams. (laughs) The problem is... They've had to actually get these guys, first of all, in shape, right? When Kabak and Davies came, I think very quickly they were unavailable for games, a couple injuries, little things like that. You can't just take two center backs from God knows where and just stick them in the same team and say, you guys figure it out and we'll hope that Fabinho can stop everything coming to you. This was a much, much better performance, but also you see how it takes time. It takes time for the team to really rally around their new options. And then once Fabinho is back into a role where he really feels comfortable, we get to see how important it is for Liverpool to have balance. But goodness, people are talking Klopp, you know, has been doing the wrong thing for six weeks, eight weeks, for three months. He's been playing Fabinho out of position. It's like, duh. Think about it. This has been the whole thing since the beginning. And it is a process for a coach. You try something. Fabinho at center back, that's worked before. Why not do that instead of take the risk of putting someone in who might have a calamitous game, right? I mean, that I think that's the thing is we need to remember that there's reasons for this stuff. And a lot of it does come with patience and time. Barcelona against PSG. Ooh, there was a little minute there where you thought maybe the remontada was almost actually on the cards. First of all, Messi hits an absolute howitzer. Thunderbolt just bang right into the top corner. It was kind of like, I'm Messi and I can do this, so I'm gonna. Um, There was passion in that shot. There was belief and anger. There was all kinds of stuff in that. It was an amazing goal. 
The thing is that PSG were just so bad in the first half. And Barcelona looked really motivated and up for it that, oh, man, if if Lungley doesn't get penalized for a pe- and, and Mbappe scores a penalty and Messi actually scores his, if that swing goes instead of from 1-1 to 2-0, we're talking about a really crazy second half. And one where it's not unreasonable to think that Barcelona could have found a way to get another goal or two. They would have had to win 4-0 because they were scored on four times at home. But, yeah, it was... Um, Really impressive. Again, Messi, absolutely terrific. But here's the knee-jerk reaction. Because Mbappe scored and because of what Holland also did, everyone said, Messi's done. It's over. This is it. The last we've seen of Leo Messi. Really? You want to go there? Okay. Um, Messi's performances this season have been nothing short of stunning. I mean, you know, there's people saying he's lost a step. He's slow. He doesn't move around as much as he used to. Messi's been walking around the pitch conserving energy for years. He's been doing this for five, six, seven years now. It's not It's not new that Messi walks a lot, all right? It's not new that Messi doesn't really drop back and defend unless he's just lost the ball, right? Like, that, that's – or unless they're, they're in tight spaces where, where he's close to it. That's not new. What's also not new is his unbelievable goal and assist record, right? I mean, look, he's got 35 – in 35 appearances this season, he's got 25 goals and 9 assists, all right? Like, think about it. That's a goal contribution every single game, okay? Barcelona's total goals this season is 84. He's got 29% of their goals, but if you add the assists, he has 40% of his hands all over the goals. These are important goals, too. Rarely is someone else scoring the one nil, the two the two nil. Rarely is someone else assisting, uh, you know, a, an unbelievable pass that cuts open a defense to to really get control of the game. Anyone who assists Messi is literally just handing him the ball, and he's creating everything. If you've been watching him at all this season, you have to understand this is still the best player in the world. I, I, I know that there are other young guys right now who are doing an amazing job. We'll talk about Holland in a second. And Bappe's doing, doing his thing as well. Highly decorated player already. But I still, I, I still don't see anyone doing what Messi does with such absurd regularity. Okay, So before you go and say Messi's finished and he's only got one year or two left at the top level before he's done, be careful. Don't write off a goat like this. Don't do it. And I was right that PSG would knock out Barcelona. All right, moving on. Juve against Porto. Wrong about this call. Although I have to say, I think I was right to make the call that Juve should go through. They were absolutely favorites. I don't know how they managed to bungle this whole thing, really. But there, there are reasons. So, first, I want to talk about the fun stuff. The game had so many good things. First of all, Federico Chiesa is like... I'm loving this kid. I remember his dad, Enrico, when uh, he, he played for Lazio back in the 90s and, and uh, early 2000s. And, 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 I mean, Chiesa is – he was great at Fiorentina. When he made the jump to Juve, I was like, okay, this is good. We'll see how he does. He – there have been times where it's – he and Weston McKenney are the only sources of pure energy on the field of joy of passion right ronaldo is what ronaldo is he's a he's a machine that gets stuff done the rest of the team feel like a bunch of nice silky decent footballers but 
Weston McKinney has been an engine, and Chiesa has come in and just been a talisman almost. I mean, the goals he scored, both goals were excellent. But then my favorite part, the stomach slide. How often do you see a stomach slide anymore? Everyone does the knees because, let's face it, knee slides are rad, and you can also, like, look cool while you're doing the knee slide. You do the stomach dive thing, like, you, it, it's not that cool looking, but it does show how happy you are. And to see this young guy do that, it was just really fun. I really enjoyed everything that he brought to the table. Now, the unfortunate thing is the rest of his team couldn't really uh, match him for excellent performances. The The other player of the match had to be Pepe, who, by the way, most people probably forgot he even was still playing at the age of 39. This is why I don't have knee-jerk reactions against these pros. If they are good enough and they can stick around, I mean, they're, they're genuinely, amazingly talented people who, if they're still fit, it's amazing what they can do at the top level. So, you know, got to give some credit to Pepe and to Porto for getting through and making it. I, I was very surprised that they got a 1-0 lead. I was also very surprised that after Chiesa scored the second goal, I think it was it was early in the second half, how it lasted all the way deep into extra time, still at 2-1. I'm very, very surprised about that. And part of that is excellent defending from Porto. Part of that is also a little bit of bad luck for Juve, a little bit of luck for Porto, and just very tight situations. I mean, it was really close. I think in stoppage time of the 90, Quadrado hits the bar with an unbelievable left-footed shot. Goalkeeper was miles away from it. If that is two inches lower or an inch lower, it's a goal, game, and that's it. Done. Ties finished. We're all applauding Quadrado and Chiesa for how well they played, that it was a tough test for Juve to get through, but they managed to get by. Morata also had a goal disallowed, which looked like an enormous offside, but then when you saw it, it was actually just his shoulder. So that was a really tight decision. And then Ronaldo, multiple times in the box, is on is getting towards the end of a cross, and Pepe kept getting there, just kept getting a flick, getting something on it. On any other day, one of those chances gets through, headed in. So it was really, really tight. And, and I, I got to say, Juve didn't just totally collapse. What did collapse was that paltry excuse for a wall. I don't, don't know what you call that. That's not a wall. Um looked more like a destroyed hedge in wintertime with no leaves or anything on it. I mean, it was just unreal. Now, look, a lot of people are blaming Ronaldo for this, blaming Morata for this, and they absolutely deserve their fair share, right? As a professional, you shouldn't do that, period. The reality is the person who this falls on more, if you ask me, is Andrea Pirlo because you can not just assume that everyone knows the plan on a defensive set piece like that. You cannot assume that by not outlining, here's what I want my wall to do, that they're going to do the right thing at the right moment. Porto knew that Juve's walls jump. And these guys are guys who jump and turn around. So it's easy to score on that if, you have, if they have no idea that what's coming. So I gotta, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't want to really chuck Pirlo under the bus here, but that is a clear moment of, you didn't coach it. You didn't make it clear. And look, when I was in high school, if you were, if we would practice free kicks defensively, you were in the wall. Like you were getting shot at. 
These guys use mannequins on the training pitch. They use those fake walls. So no one's actually taking balls in the face at training or taking balls in the gut and actually working at it. They don't really work on that that much. So I think that may be something. Look, Pirlo's going to learn his lesson. He's going to re- he's, he's going to learn from this and move on, I'm sure. But then after this game, of course, Cannavaro is what everyone was calling Pepe. Ah, he's, you know, he's the new Maldini, new Cannavaro. He's 39, okay. People got really excited about him. But what people also did that was dumb was decide Ronaldo's finished again. How many, how many times have we done this? I think since he was 31, every, t- every time he had a, a tough patch where he didn't look fit, everyone said this is the end of Ronaldo. Well, it's still going on. Anyone who's saying that now, let me give you those same statistics I gave about Messi. 34 appearances this season, 27 goals and 5 assists. Juve have 79 goals. That means he's got 34% of the goals and 40% if you add the assists. He's our top goal scorer in, in everything. Same with Messi. These guys are the talisman, the driving forces of their squads. They are not done. They are not finished. They're still the best. All right. Dortmund, Sevilla. I was wrong about this one. I called Sevilla to go through. But um, I absolutely underestimated what Erling Holland is capable of doing completely on his own. His goals are... They're great. They're incredible. But the way he just absolutely dismantled the defense for the goal that got disallowed, which by the way, really stupid to disallow that goal. Defender, go hit the weight room. I mean, anyone who has not seen the replay of this, check it out. The defender needs definitely needs to hit the weight room. You got a guy like Erling Holland barreling in on goal. You got to just be tougher. But the reality is this is a young guy. He's, what, 20? And he looks like... As soon as he gets the ball, he is going to start the move and finish it. And and that's exactly what he does. It's it's phenomenal. He's such a juggernaut. I, I'm blown away by him all the time. And, I mean, I've been impressed with him for, for a while, but I'm even more shocked at how much better he's getting. His level of hunger. I don't like his penalty kick. The, why are you doing the stutter step, dude? Just go up and smash it. Um, but... Really, I mean, he's amazing. The hype around him is not a knee-jerk reaction. It is totally legit. He is the real deal. I'm very excited to see how this goes. Now, the the fun thing that happened in this game with the penalty kick, right? He gets a penalty. He takes it. There's encroachment from Bono, the goalkeeper, who makes a save. But right before he made the save, Bono went ahead to try and, um, in order to try and throw off Erling Holland. He screamed, Kirikocha. Now, Kirikocha is, it's basically a psych out term. It's what he's like saying brick when someone throws a basketball, right? Uh, this is, comes from, I, I looked it up actually. It's kind of an interesting story. A guy from uh, an Argentine fan of Estudiantes de la Plata. He became uh, like a sort of good luck, bad luck charm because he was always around and that people started saying, well, you know, whenever he's around at training sessions and stuff, people, players get injured. Uh, so we can't have him around. But instead of banning this guy who's like the super fan, instead the Estudiantes would have him greeting away players who were coming in uh, to the stadium as a way of, you know, giving them bad luck. And Estudiantes had a really good run for a little while. So, um, yeah, th- that that's the story of it. And basically, uh, Kirikocha is a term that's used basically as a psych-out term. You'd say it, scream it at someone right when they're right when they're about to do something. And so that's exactly what Bono did to Holland. 
Unfortunately for Bono, he gets called for encroachment. Holland gets to retake the penalty kick. And then Holland goes and screams out in his face, especially at the end of the game. When interviewed by the press, he says he doesn't even he didn't even know what it meant. He just said the same thing back. Now, here's the stupid reaction. The Sevilla players who went running after him and confronting him after his celebration, getting in his face because they, they they're upset that he got that he ran up and screamed at the goalie. Also, Holland got a yellow card for screaming the exact same thing at the goalie that the goalie screamed to him. Uh, can we all just not be so brittle? Goodness. Ugh, Sevilla, grow up. Jeez, that was that was embarrassing. All right. I got to move on to the Europa League. Just touch on a few small things here. Uh because I think think it's kind of interesting where we're at. Ajax and Roma have basically just booked their place in the next round. They've got all ten toes, most of their foot. They've just got the edge of their heels still sitting in this uh, in this round of sixteen. They're going to be in the quarters for sure. Um, Granada, Spurs, Arsenal, Villarreal—they all put themselves in absolutely terrific positions to get through. It'll be really interesting to see how Slavia Prague uh, and Rangers goes because remember Slavia Prague knocked out Leicester and uh, high-flying Leicester and Rangers are definitely a high-flying British team as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I do think that Rangers now, having secured up the, the Scottish title, they're going to be so uber-focused on, on Europa League that there's a really good chance that, uh, that they could win it. So I, I still have Rangers to get through, but Slavia Prague's not going to make it easy. The game that's the most interesting, the round that's the most interesting one is obviously Milan against United, and and it stays good. This is a, still a very very good tie because it ended one one. Simon Kier getting a really important goal to cancel out Amadiallo's pretty unbelievable header, really really awesome little backwards header flick to get it over Donnarumma. But to me, it's Kessie's handball. Kessie's handball was completely completely the wrong decision. Okay, now I, I've heard a lot of people, I'm, I'm, I would assume some Man United fans, who feel pretty strongly that that was the right decision. Really? None of the players, not one of the United players, was appealing for a handball. So the goal gets scored, no one's got an issue with it, except for VAR. Now, that's the part that's interesting to me, is a lot of people have now taken in taken onto the airwaves and on their podcasts or on their social media accounts or whatever. And they're like, well, no, I mean, it is a handball. If you, if you just take a close, really close, forensically close look at it, where's the clear and obvious handball? No, that that's a goal. And I, I just think that the fact that no players appealed or reacted whatsoever should have said everything to the referee. It, there's no reason for that to have, to have been chalked off, and it just frustrated me because it was a great goal. The good thing is the tie is still very much alive, so that's a good thing. Now, so I'll end on this little, um, this one last story about knee-jerk reactions here. It's uh, the Christian Pulisic uh, situation at Chelsea right now. Look, being a Chelsea fan, I'm a little, maybe a little bit more plugged into what's being said. But overall, a lot of people, especially being in the United States, Christian Pulisic is the golden boy here. So everyone is saying, oh, gosh, he's not playing. Tuchel must despise him. Tuchel must not like him. It's so weird because he was at Dortmund with him. Why is Tuchel not playing him more? Everyone's getting all 
you know, whatever. Tuchel's explained himself on this. He's explained why. He's explained that he likes him off the bench. But here you go. Really, really fun little clip here of a journalist asking quite a daft question and Tuchel dealing with it pretty nicely. I know things can change, of course. You say uh, he, he could be ready to start. But if he doesn't get the game time that, that he desires between now and the end of the season, would you stand in his way if he came to you and he said, I- I'll need a new challenge because I want to play? A lot of if in your question. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of ifs, so... If he starts tomorrow, and if he does brilliantly, and if he starts again against uh, Atletico, and if he uh, scores again two goals, and if he's the, maybe he's the captain next year <laughs> of our squad, <laughs> I don't know. So all it took was three weeks of him not really being in the picture for people to be like, oh, Chelsea are probably going to sell him. And then who's it going to be? Oh, Man United or Liverpool. What? Like, none of this is logical. It's 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 illogical. It doesn't make sense, people. So basically, look, relax, everyone. Like, enjoy this, right? I mean, look, so, some of the most foolish things that are and dramatic things and opinions that are said, they end up looking dumb. They end up looking worse in time because they don't age well. Most of the time, they don't. Anything you say without thinking probably isn't going to age well. I just think we need. Maybe a little bit more patience, all right? Just take your time. Enjoy the football. Enjoy your lovely weekend of watching plenty, plenty of football. And I'll enjoy my lovely weekend buried in snow here in Colorado. This is Campfire Football. Have a great one, everybody.